0: Awesome, church. Well, you can go ahead and have a seat. Good morning. My name is Gavin Sledge. For those of y'all who don't know me, sorry, I'm trying to figure out this technology. Yeah, my name's Gavin. As you can tell, I am not Matt Morton. Um, I, I work with our youth ministry here, so with our middle schoolers and high schoolers, I get to oversee that, and I've been that, doing that for about two and a half years here at Creekside, um, and have loved every minute of it. So usually, I'm down the hallway in the cafeteria Um, If you hear loud music, if you hear, like, screams, because, like, there's dodgeballs flying everywhere and broken tiles from the ceiling, that's us, and you're in the right place. Um, So I love it, uh, but I'm really excited to be here. I'm really excited that Matt gave me the opportunity to come up here and just share a little bit about what I've been learning, what God's been teaching me um, throughout this time. So if you know anything about me, I know my leaders and my staff all know this, but I love Thanksgiving. Hands down, in my books, the best holiday ever. The other thing you need to know is I have a lot of unpopular opinions and I think Elf is overrated. Same with most of Christmas music. So I love Thanksgiving. I know everyone's like, "Oh, I'm leaving, blasphemy. Like, get out of here now. Just hold on. I, so, so the reasons I love Thanksgiving, it's centered on some, I think, core essentials in my life. It, a family, right? And friends, it's centered around being together and celebrating together. Celebrating good food, man. I think God's worship through good food. That's just my own opinion. Don't take that one down right, I, getting to get together and share a meal together is beautiful. I think there's, a, there's an act of worship in that and breaking bread together. Um, and I love football. And Thanksgiving gives me a great opportunity to actually to get to, to be off from work and watch some great football, right? And so all those things together in my books, I think Thanksgiving is the best holiday that we get to celebrate, not to overshine the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I do love Christmas, right? <laughs> I do. So don't hear that. But altogether, I love Thanksgiving. So that being said, Thanksgiving this year looked a little different for me. Um, I wasn't with my family. I wasn't eating turkey and green bean casserole and all those great things. I instead was hanging out with four of my closest friends at the time, three, or 30,000 feet above ground, flying at 600 miles per hour, on my way back from Tokyo, Japan, right? Real random, I know, Right, but I had the opportunity to go to Tokyo with some friends and it was awesome. And I woke up Thanksgiving morning in Tokyo, Japan. We kind of like left our little house place and, and went out and we had some ramen and then we got an airplane and we flew this way. And because of the way science works and time zones work in ways that are outside of my brains and understanding, I continued to move even as I traveled this way in what was Thanksgiving day. So even though I left Tokyo at 4 p.m., it continued to stay about that same time that we traveled. And so I landed to Dallas 16 hours later, 4 p.m. on Thanksgiving Day. So I did the math, and I think I've celebrated the world's longest Thanksgiving of 38 hours. <laughs> Pretty impressive. I was impressed. And for a guy who loves Thanksgiving, it would be ideal, right? But here's the thing being six foot four, being stuck on an airplane for 12 to 14 hours is not the most ideal situation. Right? Not only that, but I was, we were the very back row of the plane, which somewhat is nice. But if you also know plane geography, you are located right next to the, the lavatory, the restroom. After 12 hours, I had everyone's cycles down pretty, like their schedules pretty understood. Right? And it continued to wake me up from my naps, which wasn't happening anyways because I'm once again six foot four in a small seat. Um, and I missed the turkey and I missed the gravy. And so I didn't get any opportunities. Instead, I got to eat this it was better than it looks, right? You might ask, what is that? Um, there's a sushi roll, everything else is up for grabs. I don't really know, but it was pretty delicious, right? But flying through the air, this was my Thanksgiving meal, a little different than what I expected, a little different than what I might have desired, right? But ultimately, as I was flying through, I had the cool opportunity to kind of kind of work on the sermon and, and continue to solidify this opportunity, or the, that time and, and these talks and stuff. And I was reminded of the scripture, right? As Paul talks to the Church of Thessalonica, uh, the Church of, of Ephesus, and he continues to remind them to be grateful, to give thanks in every circumstance, not just when it's convenient, not just when things go your way, but to give thanks in every circumstance. Right. And so as I got to come here and share this message, I was I was convicted by the own lesson because it would have been really easy for me to look at my circumstance and be a little discouraged, being a little frustrated, a little upset with how much it didn't line up with what I wanted. Right, But as I got to celebrate the world's longest Thanksgiving, I was reminded that, man, God calls us to be grateful past just the fourth Thursday in the month of November, past this made, man-made day of Thanksgiving. Though, is good, that's one out of 365 days, I think, is how many days we have in a year. But God calls us every day to be grateful people, to be thankful people. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to look at what that means. We're going to look at why. Why does God call us to be thankful people? How do we do that? And then how can we go forth from this place in acts of worship as a grateful church and a grateful people who glorify the Lord and the King of Kings? So if you have your Bible, we're going to jump around a lot. I'm going to be honest. We're in a lot of different scripture. Uh, but the first one I want you all to open up to is First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Now working in youth ministry, I know most, at least most of our students don't bring their Bibles. And so I have it right here on the screen. So if you don't want to open the Bible, that's all right. It's right here. Right, so Paul says this, and Paul's talking to this church, and he says this He says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God. Right, and what I love about that is he says, Give thanks in all circumstances, not just give thanks when it's easy, not just give thanks when things line up with what you might want, but in everything, in all circumstances, including the good and the bad. Right, the pretty and the ugly, the hard and the easy, give thanks in all those things for this is the will of God. I don't know if any of y'all are like me, but sometimes I struggle to figure out what the will of God is for my life. I know it's particularly in college, that was a hard question. Often I just felt like, man, God, what do you want with my life? I changed majors many more times than my mom would have liked. I promise, right? And I was like, mom, I'm just trying to follow the will of God. She's like, well, I wish God would figure it out. Like me too, right? So eventually like, obviously I'm here, praise be to Jesus, but I love this idea because, man, the will of God. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks, draw near to the creator of the universe. Know him and worship him and praise him. Right? Know God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength and love him with all those things. All right, so the second one, and Paul says a similar thing. This is following a passage in Ephesians 5 called walking in love. And he's just said, man, don't be drunk with wine. Don't walk in the spirit, but, or sorry, don't walk in the flesh, but instead, be filled with the spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in our name, Lord Jesus Christ. So once again, you see that same idea of give thanks always or give thanks in every circumstance or be thankful no matter what. So why? Why would God call us this thing? Why would Paul continue to lay this out so often right we're going to talk about two reasons why i think um are kind of listed out in scriptures and there's plenty more right but the first one is that 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 this is not a theme that is just stuck within these two scriptures not a theme that is just within the new testament said this is a theme that is throughout all of scripture i went through just the psalms and i found that these 12 psalms are specific about psalms of thanksgiving they're centric on just thanking god for who he is right and that's just how the psalms and i I didn't read every Psalm like 100 through like one through 150 this weekend, right? Google is a great tool and helping me find this stuff, right? But these are all Psalms of Thanksgiving. And that's just one book of the Bible, right? That's just one section. So, over Thanksgiving throughout all of scripture. You see acts of Thanksgiving and God calling his people to give thanks, to celebrate, to be grateful people. So why, all right? Why would this continuous command be out in scripture? I think first it's this, I think first it's an act of worship to God, right? And, and like I said, this is spread throughout scripture, that the thankfulness, that gratitude comes from a place of trust. It comes from a place of dependence on God. You cannot fully celebrate and be grateful for the blessings of God if you're not fully trusting and dependent on him, right? Because full gratitude comes from an overflow of true thanks, of true declaration that, God, that you are bigger than my circumstances, God, that you are bigger than what my heart might desire, that I can thank you in every circumstance, even when it might not line up with what I want, God, because you are good, and I trust you, and I depend on you for all things, not just what is convenient, not just what is easy, but for all things, I can promise you are good. As we do that, we die to ourselves, we die to these idols that we chase after, that idea of, of my success or my achievements, those become just so small as we continue to lift up the creator of the universe, provider of all good things, right? The God of gods, the king of kings, right? So being thankful worships God. It gives him the praise that he is worthy of. As he created this beautiful world, as he created mankind and everything is in it, he is worthy of our thankfulness and is worthy of our gratitude. As we're gonna talk about later, he's blessed each one of us abundantly, more than we deserve. Whether you realize it or not, he's blessed your life. And he's worthy of those praises and those thanksgiving. <laughs> All right. so the first reason why I think we are called to be thankful people is to worship the God who's worthy of it. The second one, before I go to, I wanna do a little, a little social psychology experiment with y'all. I, I was a psychology major at A&M. Um, that's what, finally what I landed on because let's be honest, it was just really easy at that point and it was the biggest major and I needed to graduate. Um, but I loved it, it was really great. Um, so what I want y'all to do is I want y'all to look at that paper, or sorry, look at that image and what I would ask you, and I'm not expecting a response because things would get weird, but think in your head and send it to me via mind waves, right? What, what do you see? Yeah, I'm getting a lot of like, I see a black dot. I think someone said over here at 10 points. Yeah, go get a high five from Dusty afterwards, all right? Right, but you see a black dot, right? Majority of people would say, man, that's what I see. I see a black dot, and that's right. You do see a black dot. That's not wrong. But if I ask you again, hey, what do you see? Majority of the people would say yeah, when I see a black dot, like nothing has changed. That's, that's still what I see, which once again is not incorrect. There for sure is a black dot. And that is exactly what you see. Right, but, but the study examines that the majority of people never even talk about the rest of the image, never talk about that, yes, the black dot is there, but that is a small fraction of the full image in itself. The majority of the, the, the image is the, is the white background. The majority of the image is, is everything else surrounding that black dot. Right, And often, if you're like me, as I look at that thing, man, my eyes can't get off that black dot. I just want to kind of get like an eraser and and erase it off. And it's just for me, it just feels like that there's, there's something in the way of everything else, right? But often in life, that's the way we live as well. That all, once we go through the end of the day, that all we can focus on is, man, that there's that college kid who caught me off on Texas and really ruined my day. Or, man, my boss said something that kind of upset me and frustrated me, that really, really hurt me. Or, man, that that life has just been really hard today. I just didn't get either that that affirmation I wanted, I didn't get that promotion, I didn't get that thing I wanted, right? That all we do is focus on what is is wrong, that we miss the goodness that is around it. That much like a horse in a race that we have these blinders on, but these aren't good blinders because all they're doing is blocking out the good and all we can focus on is on what's negative, right? And this idea of, of not being content isn't new. This idea of, of selfish hearts wanting more not being grateful isn't new for the world, though it's very prominent in our culture. Right, it's not new. If you go back to the scriptures in Genesis 2 in the very beginning of the Bible, this idea begins, right? Because God created Adam and he created Eve to be with him, to work in this beautiful garden that he created for them. The life was perfect. That Adam got to walk with God. That he worked and it was good. That he ate and it was good. And what God tells Adam, he says, Adam, all this I've made for you and you can eat of every tree except for this one tree, right? The tree of knowledge of good and evil, but everything else is yours. All these good things are yours, right? And it's a line that we look over because it comes quick. But he says, but eat of every other tree and all they can focus on is the one that they can't. On the one that they can't have, on the one that would ruin their day and ruin everything, and said they missed the blessings and the abundance of goodness that God had provided for them because all they thought that was God was holding out on me. That, man, if I had this one thing, that I would have full satisfaction and happiness. Man, if I, if I just received this one piece, then I would finally have it all. That they missed out on everything that was right in front of them, on everything that was good. Right in that ungrateful heart developed selfishness, developed doubt and lack and trust in God's goodness and led into what is original sin. And so whether we realize it or not, whether we want to realize it or not, that is innate within each one of us, that each one of us is gonna struggle with this idea of trusting that God, good enough. A trusting that what God provides is good enough and we want what we want and that's what we're gonna get to. And so this next idea, why God calls us to be thankful for people, first is to worship him, but second, I think is to save us from a life of sin and hurt and brokenness. That just like Adam and Eve, as they chase that empty tree, as they chased what they wanted instead of what God blessed them with, it left to nothing but destruction and death and emptiness. Right? If all of our striving is just to reach what we don't have, what we think we need, and we miss out on what God's providing, then that is an empty life. Those things aren't bad, but man, they make crummy gods. There's nothing wrong with having a promotion in your life. There's nothing wrong with being successful with being popular and being liked. Those things aren't bad, but they're never going to be enough. If we are ungrateful people with what God has provided, then it's going to develop selfish hearts. And with selfish hearts comes deep-rooted sin, whether it's pride, greed, envy, lust, whatever it be, whatever our heart manifests it to be. If we can't be grateful for what God has provided in front of us, then we have to take on our own because we doubt that God is good enough. All right, so all in all, why does God call us to be thankful? Why does Paul continue to push this idea Not to condemn us, not to shame us, but to bring us into the beauty, to worship God with all of our mind, heart, soul, and strength, with all of our heart, right? To run away from the idols that lead to destruction and run into relationship with him. So how? So how do we do that? Right? There's, well, first, sorry, I want to read this quick quote because it's it's Billy Graham. And if Billy Graham has a quote about something you're teaching over, you share that quote. Right? It says this. It says, Thanksgiving, the giving of thanks, to God for all his blessings should be one of the most distinctive marks of the believer in Jesus Christ. We must not allow our spirit of ingratitude to harden our heart and to chill our relationship with God and with others. Right, so how? So how do we do? And what I did is I broke this down to three easy parts for me. You might look at this as, man, Gavin, that's good, but that's not me. That's okay. Right, this is as, just as I studied the scripture as I started to put these into in place, what works for me. And so first we wanna talk about how we call to mind. How do we call to mind the truth of who God is, then how do we celebrate often? And ultimately we need, and the root of this all is in cherishing the cross. Right? So I talked a little bit about me being in college. Um, When I went to college, my plan was to go into the military. I wanted to to fly airplanes and stuff. And so with that meant I was gonna join the Corps. Um, So I did that and they shaved off all my hair, put me in some khaki uniform and took away my first name. It was great. I loved it. Right, But I remember our very first week of, of freshman orientation week, um, I had a senior come up to me, and seniors are allowed to be somewhat friendly with us, not buddy-buddy, but a little nicer, it's more nicer than anyone else. And I remember he came up to me and said, hey, Fish, like, life's going to be hard, get over it. And then he said, cherish the good moments, hold on to the laughter, it'll help. And then he walked off, right, super like suspicious, like, what does that even mean? And then life just got really hard. And for the next semester, every day probably got worse, right? It was every day getting yelled at, being told you're not good enough. Every day, just being shared that, man, you're a failure, and we're going to let you know it every opportunity we can. We're going to point out ways you fail. And then we're going to punish you for failing by making you do a lot of push-ups. And when you get tired of doing push-ups, we're going to yell at you, and then we're going to make you do more push-ups because of that. And not only that, we're gonna put you in this really smelly uniform that was probably from the 1800s. And we're gonna tell you, you smell, so you gotta do more push-ups. It was a beautiful cycle of destruction, right? And I was like, and I paid money for this. I am paying you people to yell at me. And I'm supposed to be a student. It wasn't the best times of life, if I'm being honest, right? And so as I went through the semester, it got harder and harder and harder. I remember about November, I remember walking to tutoring and calling my dad and just crying, I said, dad, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Like, I, I just don't see the good in it. Man, it's just really hard. And I just don't know if this is right for me. Like, I think I might quit. All right, so I went to tutoring. I wasn't really listening in tutoring, but I had to go. Uh, my grades needed me to go. But I remember walking back, and I remember that idea of what that senior told me. to man, cherish the good moments. Hold on to that laughter. He'll get you through. And so that's what I began to do. And those times where we were free and those times where we had opportunities to be together, it was learning to cherish those moments. It was learning to hold on to those laughters, to able to joke about the pain that we had the, the day before. Being able to sit there with our buddies and just reminisce, right? Being able to go out to dinner Friday nights and have fun and laugh and do those things, right? So that when I came Monday and they reminded me how horrible I was and I had to run 40 miles, that's not true. All right, there's no way I can hit 40 miles, right? But I just had to run so I couldn't run anymore, But I held on to that truth, and I I held on to what happened in the past, and I remembered, man, there is still good, right? That that This too will pass, right? And that on the other side, there might be more laughter, and there's going to be good times, and this is just temporary. Now, here's not what that did. It didn't take away the pain. The pain was still there in those moments. It didn't always make it easier, but it did give me hope. It helps me get through, because I knew something better was on the other side. I knew this pain was just temporary. I knew on the other side, there was something greater than these feelings right then, right? So as we talk about this idea of thankfulness, of gratitude, of holiday seasons, I would be ignorant to think that, man, that this isn't a hard message for some people. Because I know as I talk about holiday seasons, as I get nearer and nearer to Christmas, that I struggle with my own hurt, my own pain, and that holiday seasons sometimes bring more pain than joy as I'm reminded back to my senior in high school when my parents decided to get a divorce and right around the Christmas time when I found out that 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 still hurts my heart. It's been 10 years and I I still hurt from that. The holiday seasons bring back those pains, right? And I don't know all of y'all, but I do know that there's a good amount of people here who are struggling with hurt this season, who are either grieving death, who are struggling just because this hasn't been the life and the season of life that you expected, Right, that might have been hurt or let off a job or maybe you're struggling in your marriage. I know that there's hurt out there. And so I know for some of y'all that this idea of being thankful just seems so unrealistic when given the the circumstance in front of you. And before I even go on, I just want to recognize that I'm sorry for that pain. That That is not the way God intended life to be. That we are for you, that we are here that I hear you, that I see you, and that we love you at the church, and that we love to come alongside you all, however that looks. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But as we, as we talk about this idea of calling to mind, I just want to recognize that there is brokenness. And this holiday season, being thankful can be really hard. All right, but I was reminded that, that you can grieve and you can mourn and you can still be thankful because our God is still bigger and our God is still better than those things. So if you have a Bible or look real quick through Lamentations 3, I got to walk through this with our leaders a few weeks ago um, because it was something that God was just kind of challenging me in, is what does it look like to be thankful in all circumstances, even when life just kind of sucks? What does it look like to be thankful? And so Jeremiah is going through this in Lamentations and and I'm gonna kind of jump around just to read some select verses. If you have time, read it all because man, it's It's heavy. If we're talking about his life, right? And so Jeremiah says this. He says, "I am the man who has seen affliction under the rod of his wrath." Right? He has made my flesh and my skin waste away. He has broken my bones. He has walled me about so I cannot escape, and he has made my chains heavy. Though I call and cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. He drove into my kidneys the arrows of his quiver. I think for me, that's the one like that hits the most painful. Right, but he made my teeth grind on gravel and he made me cower in ash. I have forgotten what happiness is. And so I say my endurance has perished. So has my hope from the Lord. Right next to that, I have a journaling Bible that just says hopelessness. That as I read those verses, all I get is this idea of hopelessness. That all I get is this idea of brokenness and hurting and pain. Part of me is amazed and challenged by this man's honesty with the Lord. I struggle to be that honest. But the other part of me just breaks at hearing the description of this hurt. But then he goes on to say this. In verse 20, he says, my soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And the Lord is my portion, so says my soul. Therefore, I will have hope in him. And I love this response. And I love this declaration declaration of, I'm gonna choose to believe these things even when this is how I feel. Now, what he doesn't say is, so therefore I don't feel these things. What he doesn't say is, therefore those feelings are fake and I was wrong for feeling those. No, those were reality. And that is how he felt and that was the reality of where he was at. But what he says, I'm going to call to mind who my God is. I'm going to remember and declare these realities over the circumstance. Now that doesn't negate these feelings and that doesn't negate this pain and this hurt. It doesn't negate my grieving. What it does is it gives me hope. It gives me hope that tomorrow may be better. It gives me hope that my God is still bigger. The circumstances and trials and death don't define who my God is. Praise Jesus for that. Right? But my God defines how I see circumstances, define how I encounter circumstances, and therefore I can be thankful that my God is bigger, that my God is better than the pains of this world. Right, So in our trials, in our hurts, we can follow Jeremiah's example. We can follow this idea of being honest about our hurt, of recognizing those things and not just suppressing them, not ignoring them, recognizing them, but also declaring the truth of whose God is. Right For a long time, this was really, really hard for me. For a long time, I had this hurt. I had this anger from growing up. I had a lot of pains from growing up. But being a leader, specifically a leader within the church, I felt this, this need to be perfect. I felt this need to be holy, to, ha- to be joyful all the time. But then I got home and I had this reality of, man, I'm still broken. I'm still hurting. I had these two different realities. Two di- it was a dichotomy of, of realities for me. I was like, one of these has to be wrong. That I shouldn't be a Christian leader who's supposed to be perfect and good and holy, but I feel empty and broken and grieving and mourning and angry that there's something wrong within me. Right? And, and the reality is, man, both of those realities can exist. That You can be broken. You can hurt. You can grieve. Those absolutely are true. Those absolutely are Okay. And that doesn't define your faith. That doesn't define your worth. That those things don't define how Jesus sees you, right? But instead, as we continue to overlay those realities with the truth of who God is, the truth of his grace, his love, his mercy, the truth of what he's declared about us and our circumstances, we can work for those two to meet in the middle. We can work for those two realities to meet into God, who God made us to be. And that's hard. And that's going to be hard. But let us be a people who continue to open our eyes to see how God is moving, continue to open our eyes to see how God has moved in the past and declare those things over our current realities, not to negate them, not to say that those aren't true, not to say that I'm bad and wrong for feeling those things, but to say that I feel these things, but I declare my God to be bigger, and I declare my God to be better. And I'm going to pray this, and I'm going to say this until my heart believes it because I know this with my head, but man, sometimes I just have a hard time believing that. And so maybe for you, you hear those things, you're like, Gavin, that's, that's not where I'm at with this season. Well, let me tell you, it might not be where you're at, but it's where other people are in this room. And you have a responsibility to love them, to comfort them, not to fix them, to be with them, to speak truth into their life. That is what we as a church are called to do, to bear one another's burdens. And I pray one day you will bear my burdens. And I pray one day for the opportunity to bear your burdens. That's just the reality of that. We'll need each side But in all these things, as he calls these things to mind, he he continues to be thankful because that is who God is. Even in circumstances, he calls these things to mind, right? So as as we talk about being thankful people, as we talk about this act of worship through gratitude, first and foremost, let us be people who call to mind God's goodness, even in our darkest times, and be people who remind other people of God's goodness, even in their darkest times. And the second one is this, we, we are called to celebrate often. Right, and I broke this down into two. It's broken down into into practicing gratitude through remembrance, and the other one's gonna be celebrating others through God's faithfulness. Right, this first one, this idea comes from Psalm seventy-seven eleven. I love it. It's been a big, big challenge of mine, and one thing I have, and I have it written down in every one of my journals on the first page. Of this verse it says, "I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds." Right, and what I love about this is this goes against everything that I. Think, everything is natural for me because as I go through the day, I need to think about, man, what does Gavin need to continue to achieve to create success? Man, what does Gavin need to continue to do? And who does he need to continue to meet to be successful and to create achievements? And what this says is, man, you're not even a part of the equation, Gavin. Stop, stop striving and look at what God has done. Remember, look back and see God's goodness, see God's faithfulness and celebrate those things. Because like I said earlier, we are a blessed people. Whether you realize it or not, we are a blessed people. Whether you want to believe it, you are blessed. To be able to sit here in a church comfortably with clothes on is, is a blessed. It's a blessing. It really is. Right? But but God has done more than that. God is a blessing and work in your life, like I said before. And so as we take time to stop and look at these things, man, our heart will grow grateful. We will practice that gratitude because we'll see just how intricately God is working in each one of your lives for his glory and for his goodness. Because he is. But often it just takes time to take off those blinders, to stop and to look. And that's hard for us, because we are a people who are told to continue to move, continue to strive, to continue to succeed, because this isn't good enough. The next thing will be better. It's all the American dream, man. Make yourself you make yourself, and so that contains the work. And those things aren't bad, like I said before, but it misses on something great. And that's God's goodness, and that's God's way of working. So my challenge, and what I'm going to challenge you all later, is, is take time to stop and remember how God has worked in your life. To stop and see and open your eyes to God's blessings. And the second one is, is this, is celebrate other people in your life. Paul does a great job with this one, too. Um, As he's talking in the beginning of of 1 Corinthians, he's talking, he writes a letter to the, the church of Corinth. He says, man, I give thanks to my God always for you. Which doesn't seem that big. That reads like half a sentence. But if you knew the church of Corinth, if you read the rest of Corinthians, they weren't always the most like, woo, you're doing great, buddy. They had a lot of issues, right? They had a lot of struggles. But Paul still stops to praise God for them and writes, thank you for who you are. Right? He stops to celebrate who they are. I had a mentor growing up when I was in college um, to spend a lot of time just investing in me in a guy I'm very, very grateful for. Um, but throughout our first semester of us meeting up, he would, he would consistently write me letters, right? like handwritten letters. Right? And for a 26-year-old, you don't get me in handwritten letters. Right? And he would send them to my mailbox. It's the only mail I was ever getting. Right? And I'd, I'd open them up, and I would always go sit down with him like, John, like we're getting lunch once a week, dude you could just hand this to me or you just tell me in person, shoot me a text. Maybe email, but probably not. Right, but he chose to write me letters. And in each one of these, he spoke truth into my life. He, he declared things he'd seen that God had done in my life. He celebrated me. He challenged me. He encouraged me. Right, and by the end of the semester here, I remember right before we went to Christmas break, he sat me down and said, all right, Gavin, it's your turn. Every day over break, I want you to write a letter to someone else. All right, that was unnatural. That was not anything I'd ever done before. I like to think I'm a pretty affirming guy and face-to-face, but actually having to stop and write a letter and think specifically about who this person meant to me, the ways I've seen the character of God in him or her. And in writing that was, was different. But man, it was a beautiful exercise, a beautiful act of worship. As I got to write those letters and I got to celebrate how God had individually created each person in my life, how God had so intricately placed them to fit needs that I had. And I got to celebrate those things by sharing those things with them, right? And so I have a box of letters from John that I still keep by that that to this day still encourage me. That man, when I'm feeling bad, I can go back to those letters. I can be encouraged, right? It's a blessing to speak life, but it's also an act of worship to speak life and to speak praises because God has gifted us with community. God has gifted us with relationships, whether that's through family, whether it's through friends, whether it's through just people you work with. God has put people in your life specifically for a reason, You have an opportunity to speak life into those things. Let's be a people who are quick to affirm, quick to encourage, quick to thank God for the people in our life. Because man, once we do that, once we pray for these people, once we thank God for these people, our hearts just grow deeper for them because we love them so much more because we get to see truly who they are in our life. And that kills the discontentment in relationships that we all feel. That kills the idea of loneliness and isolation. That kills so many of these tools that the enemy desires to pull us away. Right, so let's be a people who are quick to call things to mind, quick to call to mind the truths of God. Let's be a people who are quick to celebrate often. But most importantly, let's be a people who cherish the cross. Right, the root of all of our gratitude, the most important gift was given to us by God through Jesus Christ. That man, the blessings in front of us are great. The life we get to live is incredible. Without the salvation, without the redemption, the restoration through the blood of Jesus, that this would be nothing that God so loved you, so loved me, so loved the world, that he gave Jesus for us, that even when we were still sinners. At, when you were at your worst, that God still chose you to be with you. And he gave Jesus to live a perfect life, to take on your inequity, your transgressions, your brokenness, and your sin, to pay the punishment that you deserved so that you could have the life that he lived, so that you could be with God fully and forever. Man, if our hearts ever become callous to that truth, oh man, that is the day that we fall short. But let us continue. One thing I've had to challenge myself with, and I write it on my, my bathroom wall is walls, I need to continue to consider Jesus daily. That I need to continue to teach myself the gospel daily. That's not just one thing that I accept when I become a believer and therefore I'm good. No, it's something I need to continually remind myself that God still died for me. That even today when I sinned, that God still said you were worth it. Even on my worst day, that's something that I can never get rid of. That I know he wants me, he knows me, he loves me, and he died for me so that he could be with me. So I can live in eternity with him then, but also so I can live in richness of life now. But that is the greatest gift, y'all. That nothing compares to that. Let us our hearts worship and praise the God who gave us life when we deserve nothing but death and wrath. All right, so as we move into this idea of applications, we move into how do we apply these scripture into our life? I'm gonna ask the, the ushers to move to the back to start preparing communion. I'm gonna ask the band to move forward as we have as an opportunity to respond and worship. Right, but as I was looking through this, man, church, let's be, a, let's be a grateful people. Let's be a thankful people, a people who are quick to fall on our knees and praise the God who's blessed us far more than we deserve. A people who are quick to thank those who might not be thanked often. Right? who bless others and praises and affirmation. Let's be a people who are quick to call to mind the truth of who God is, even when it's hard. Right. So here's some just some quick applications, a few ideas that are just for me. But may I challenge y'all to take this idea and make your own applications because like I said, these are just gavins. The first one I have is this idea of a gratitude journal. I know most of the guys, and then they're like, ha, diaries. Yeah, right. I get it. Do it on your cell phone. I don't know, whatever makes you feel cooler. But idea of stopping and celebrating what God has done is so needed for our hearts. It's so needed to remind us of God's goodness, to pull us off of just the empty idols and striving that happens in this world and to see something bigger and greater. In the beginning of each one of my journals, I try, I'm not the best yet. I have pages open to just say, I am grateful for, and I often try to go in there just, man, I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful that someone takes out the trash in my office. Seems so little, but I don't have to do it. And that's a blessing. I'm grateful for these people in my life. I'm grateful that I get to to work here at Grace Bible Church. I'm grateful I get to fall under the leadership of Matt and Dusty and Chris. Man, there's so much I'm grateful for. And so learning to celebrate those things that my heart could just be a grateful heart and I can worship the God Almighty. Second one is write someone a thank you letter. Once again, not a text, not just face-to-face. Those things are good, but stop and write someone a letter. Show them that you do you, know, you care about them enough that you're going to spend time, worthy time, because they're worthy. And I want to celebrate who you are. And don't just say, thanks, love me, right? No, celebrate who God has made them to be. Celebrate ways you've seen God and the character of God in them. Celebrate ways that they have blessed you and speak life into those places that maybe you don't know that they need to hear. Let's be a thankful people. Let's celebrate others and celebrate God through that. And that last one, man, let's worship when it's hard. That even when it's hard, let us declare the truth of who God is. And I love that we're ending with this hymn of it is well. Because reality is some of y'all might not feel that. As we get to declare these truths, as we get to, to sing that it is well in my soul, let us pray that our hearts catch up to that truth. Let us pray that that grieving and that mourning, that those mournings, that those things are true, that, that God, you are still good. And I want to continue to sing that until my heart believes that. And then we're gonna go into a time of communion. And what I'll ask for this is is to think about that, to cherish the cross, to spend some time and stop and think about this hard question of when have you fallen short of the glory of God? When have you fallen short, right? What do our sins, what our transgressions look like? And be able to sit there and wrestle with that, but then being able to finish the rest of the story of redemption, be able to thank Jesus for his death on the cross for those sins. To be able to reflect that even though I'm still a sinner, you died for me, and therefore I am thankful because I did not deserve that, and I'm not worthy of that, but you deemed me worthy through the blood of Jesus. So that's my challenge. That is my encouragement as we go into a time of communion to spend some time reflecting and celebrating and thanking God for who he is. So if you'll go ahead and move forward in communion, I ask you all to spend some time praying, and then I'll finish us in communion and prayer. Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, just for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink, in remembrance of me. So, Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your glory. Lord, we thank you that you are God worthy of worship and all praise. And, Lord, we confess that often we fall short, Lord, that often we are so focused on ourselves, on our circumstances, on the things we desire, that we just are blinded by you. Lord, that we miss out on how you've provided. Lord, we become ungrateful. Lord, I pray today that our hearts can draw closer to you, Lord, that our hearts can long for you, that our hearts can see, Lord, that they desire nothing more than you. God, that you are our true life, our true hope. God, that you satisfy every need. Lord, that you meet every desire is of you. Lord, I pray for those who are hurting, Lord, that those who are continuing to go through difficult seasons, God, draw near, be with them. Lord, we thank you we thank you that we can come into a place like this to worship your name. Lord, we thank you for each person here. Lord, we thank you for your word and the truth of it. God, ultimately, we thank you for Jesus, the one who took on our sin, who paid the penalty that we deserve and give us new life. Lord, to give us a relationship with you who forgave us of every transgression, past, present, and future, Lord, that nothing longer will hold us against you. Lord, you have restored and you have redeemed that. And for that, Lord, we are thankful. Lord, be with us today. Help us to be a grateful people. Help us to bring thankfulness into this world, Lord, because in that, we get to bring you, the provider of good, Lord, the creator of the universe, the king of kings. Lord, we love you. Thank you. We pray this all in Jesus' name.